0: You are listening to the Massive Report Podcast.
1: Welcome to a very special edition of the Massive Report Podcast here at Saucy Brew Works. What, what was it that? Uh, what was our hook for Saucy? If your brew works, make it Saucy.
2: Get sauced at Saucy Brew. Works. Yeah, sorry
1: was here. <laughs> I like that. Orie was here because he. <laughs> All right, uh, we're at Third and uh, Michigan here in Harrison West. You should be here on Monday or anytime. Mm-hmm. They've got the good beers. They got the yes. grub. They got the coffee. They got everything you need. Tonight is a very special occasion for Sasa Perovic because it is the Josh Williams retirement party. Yay! But, and we've only just met. I hope you'll take this <laughs> in the right light. Now, to be a professional soccer player, you had to have taken. When did you start taking the game seriously? What age?
3: Oh, um, probably late into, ah, about halfway through high school, I would say. Oh,
1: okay. Well, this is great. So you're going to remember being on a rec team when you were about seven or eight, right? Oh, yeah. What was the best part of being on a rec team? Uh, the snacks after the game. (laughs) You're close. (laughs) The end of the year ice cream party! (laughs) I coached my daughters for many years, and we would have our parties at Graders up in Westwood. Okay. First spot. And at the end of the party, I would hand out the participation trophy.
4: <laughs> Give it up for
1: Josh his participation trophy.
3: Appreciate that. Here Appreciate it is, that.
1: end of the season party. And I would say I like something it. nice about everyone on the team.
5: And I would mean it from the heart. But everybody
1: got a trophy. I don't know if you remember those days or not, but... I mean, it was. It it's was not cool.
5: that many hits to the head. Yeah, I was. Gonna it
1: was, say, it gonna say. was cool, right? But <laughs> yeah, just of course. That that feeling of innocence of playing the game—you don't entirely know where this <laughs> is all going, but you just love to play, right?
4: Right,
3: right. Coach by your dad, right? Or yeah, or a was, coach who doesn't necessarily know the game that well. Oh, so you're just okay. out there running around right. having fun.
1: All right. So Mostly, you were telling them what to do. Uh,
3: back then, no, but I, I was more concerned with the snacks. You know what was going on at the what end of the game.
1: Spring
0: 1997. <laughs>
1: right? Capri Central Ohio Suns. Soccer Capri Capri Suns. Suns. Suns.
0: and uh, and
2: and orange slices. Orange, orange slices in half, baby. Right. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the OG days. The old saying is that you know most center backs were strikers back in the day. Were you a converted striker? Oh yeah, I, was <laughs> out,
3: I went from high school striker, uh, but and then went to college midfield, mm. and then depending on what the score was, either I was thrown <laughs> up top or sent to the back line, you know, to protect elite. lead. So, uh, and then after that, I realized that I wasn't. I wasn't Cucho, you know, I wasn't I wasn't cut out for that. So. Were you
1: a prolific goal scorer, though? When, um, when in high pump? school, in high yeah. school I was, yeah. yeah.
3: College, not really. I scored some uh, some big goals every once in a while, you know, and I get thrown up top, some headers and stuff like that, they throw me into the box. Um, but no, I would not call myself a prolific goal scorer after high
2: school. That explains why it took so long for you
5: to score an MLS goal. That's
4: right, <laughs> that's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs>
2: Uh, well, for what it's worth, I picked you to score a goal in pretty much every single prediction for the last three years. So I, I, appreciate, I appreciate that. Got all there of
1: there was, a wager that, that I was appreciate a wager that that if Sorry let didn't you didn't
2: score,
1: didn't it involve a tattoo or something?
2: That, that was TK. You, I think you know TK. He's the one that harasses you for the pizza Absolutely. parties. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he did have, yeah, a wager, and I think... If, it was, I think if, it was in, if he'd scored in the, the playoffs, that he was going to get you to tattoo your name on him. Oh God. Oh God. <laughs> Which I think he, been... he's still up for yeah. under any contest. <laughs> yeah, probably. Uh, probably. 2K's
3: a good dude, man. I appreciate
2: that support, really,
0: a lot. How does it feel right now? Wait, right. Ch- real ch- quick. Before, yeah, I guess we'll go ahead, Pat. We'll Link. get into that in a minute. You, you are officially
5: retired, right? <laughs> I'm done. I'm okay. done. Because yeah. I know you told Mike in that story where he buried it at the very end. Uh, but I even confirmed today at practice. I was like, at, at, they had their first practice today. And I asked Eunice, like, "Do you guys ever do anything? Like announce Josh had retired? And she said, Eunice is one of the, the comms people. And she said, no, like we generally don't do that. We leave it up to the player. And I was like, well... People didn't read Ares' article. They may not know, so I just want to put, make sure that, wow. that the listeners are. Uh, are yeah,
0: there. the Josh Williams Irish goodbye
5: out yeah, of yeah, the, right?
0: professional soccer. Nah, I just kind of
3: threw a smoke bomb and uh,
2: just got out of there. Right? <laughs> I mean, so. so you're saying that <laughs> GCG back can sign you to a one day contract and you can retire <laughs> as a member of our rec team?
3: <laughs> I love that. I love that idea. No, but I didn't. I didn't want to make a big deal of it. Um, Whatever, uh, whatever the team chooses to do is up to them. You know, I'm not going to plan anything myself, this you know, to me, to, me. Yeah, to me. Yeah, exactly, exactly. I, I was actually waiting for this moment. So, yeah, I,
0: I held out for you guys. So, you know, people report players come back after, you know, the world's shortest off season, <laughs> and you're, like, at home. Right. And normally, you know, you're, you're probably, at the very least, at this part of the year, the wheels start turning in terms of, like, got to get back in there there's a goddamn beep test in my future <laughs> right like now that that's not the case what's that like um i think
3: it's peace because there's not a goddamn beep I test in <laughs> my future also
0: you know, i uh, this is the, I, I still i don't know if you feel this way but i will i have a probably two or three times a year i will have a nightmare with a beep test it's <laughs> awful
4: you know, it's awful yeah.
0: it's incredible yep. and i haven't had one in a decade probably, right, right or right. longer than that really it, but yeah it, it there's a sense of calm right now I'm sure
3: yeah. yeah absolutely uh to me I I knew a long time ago you know my body was kind of failing me you know my body wasn't you know the players keep getting younger and faster <laughs> and quicker and I'm I'm not going in that direction so to me it was uh the last year made it pretty easy to me you know it was a smooth transition um so to me uh hey, even though I didn't get to play last year it was still one of my favorite seasons you know and that's uh that felt weird at first to kind of say out loud but then when i thought more on it it was like man being around the guys still being around such an amazing coaching staff um learning from them and then i knew the end was coming right so everybody knows the end is coming they all kind of fear that um but to me it was kind of like last year made it much easier to kind of approach this offseason you know because uh not only was my body failing me but i knew i shouldn't even have been playing anyways you know when i was in training you know right away there was probably a two-week period where I was like, okay, I, I have a chance. You know, like, I, I'm in the mix. And then after you don't play, once you're fully fit for about two, three weeks, your fitness starts to go down, and then from there, I, I didn't have a chance. The guys are, you know, Sean started to do this. You know, we got Rudy in, and that guy's, a, you know, I, I, I can't speak highly enough about him. So, to me, uh, the writing was on the wall pretty clear, you know. So, uh, that made it easy. It, you know, obviously, your ego takes a little hit there, but... I'm someone who, who tries to work on that, anyways. You know, I, I I try to suppress my ego and try to let things flow, anyway. So to me, um, I think all of that, you know, kind of coming together made this off season uh, pretty peaceful. You know, I think it was uh, you know, from from soccer to now changing diapers and, and doing all that, <laughs> that, that that keeps me occupied now. So life is good. Life is
0: good, man. Yeah. The um, I think it's it's especially a a. a Kind of a, uh, I don't know. Awkward is probably the wrong word, but like, there was never like, there was never like a build-up, right? And then obviously, crew want to win MLS Cup. But like, for you to kind of be in it, but also kind of watching, how did that kind of, I guess, feed into how you maybe looked at your entire career over the course of you know all, all of your playing, all of your playing years, and how that that last year being so different from all the other ones in a lot of ways how did that kind of play into you know how you kind of approached you know even making this decision
3: yeah um, being able being able to sit back and watch made it easier because in my head I remember thinking this is some of the best soccer I've ever seen mm. in this league you know truly so to me being 35 um, feeling how my body felt right like I would wake up in the morning and my body would hurt yeah. I would go into training, spend an hour stretching, and my body would hurt. After training, my body would hurt. So <laughs> it was like um, that, you know, that was a factor, you know, to where you just don't want to hurt anymore. You know, I've had 14 years of pretty much 10 to 11 months of your, you know, like after the first day, you know, I think all athletes said after the first training session, your body's hurting the rest of the year. So you're never 100 percent healthy. So um, that, you know, my body hurting, the level of play that I was witnessing day in and day out, um, the... Pressure to perform, I think, was another thing that is kind of, you know, every athlete puts so much pressure on themselves to perform for not only themselves, family members. You know, I got family members asking, when are you getting back in the lineup? You know, when are you doing the fans asking that? And then I don't want to go out there not feeling like I'm capable of doing what I am, feel I'm capable of yeah. doing. So to me, that, you know, that was another, I have a standard for myself that I didn't feel like I was hitting. Um, you know, so all of those things, I think, made it, you know, to your point, made it just easier to approach this year you know i think it all just kind of added up and and i wasn't someone who, who was going to try to fool myself into thinking i could still do it mm-hmm. you know i think everything everything was telling me all right you know it's time to wrap this up like right. you've had a good run it's you know it's time to let go we're we, you know we're ready to we're ready to take yeah. on the next chapter
5: it doesn't hurt that you got to lift a trophy at the end I
3: mean, <laughs> that was uh, i mean that never hurts right and never right. The, anytime you could do that whether you played a minute Zero minutes the whole season. Anytime you can lift a trophy with with all those guys that you've poured in, you know, that much work into, um, you know, that's a good season.
1: If you could write the, the back of your quote unquote baseball card, your soccer card, <laughs> how, and and they describe yourself in a couple of sentences, what kind of player you were? What, how would you describe
3: yourself? Oof. Um, I think I was a player who uh, was capable and willing to do whatever was asked of him. So whether that be uh, on you know, a winger, center back, you know whether you know whatever that was, starter, substitute, you know mentor, whatever that was, I feel like I I tried to fill that role to the best of my ability. So that was well. You said
1: mentor. <laughs> I, I looked at you, and again we've just met minutes ago. I I always looked at you when I was watching the game whether it be in person or on TV as leader there's something that sort of exuded from you and I think it's in the eyes I don't know if that makes any sense but to look you in the eye it was like looking at a quarterback looking at a Patrick Mahomes and it's like you saw what needed to be communicated Mm -hmm. because you played for a long time with younger guys right. who might have had all the skill in the world but needed a little leadership right?
3: yeah, yeah.
1: Um, what's your philosophy of leadership on the field in training and so forth um, did you approach your teammates almost as a coach where a coach that is more of a player's coach where, well, that guy's motivated by this, this guy's motivated by that. Or, you know, how did you approach that? Was it vocal? Was it by example? Was it all of the above?
3: I think you always have to do all of the above, right? I don't think you fully get the trust of your teammates if it's not all of the above. Um, But I feel like that leadership kind of started from um, soccer. I was a center midfielder growing up, kind of. Baseball is a shortstop, basketball is a point guard. So I feel like in all that's of those, fascinating, all of those sports, yeah. that's kind of the leader of yeah. that team, you know. So, um, you know, maybe the, you know being in those positions my entire life pretty much until I was 18, um, and, and then in college even you play center mid. So, you know, so you're always kind of in that in that position. So I feel like that kind of you know culminated into you know then you become a you know professional and you're a young guy. But then as soon as I broke in, I still felt like I, I needed to speak up and I needed to have a voice. Um, so that kind of got me into trouble with some of the old. Yeah, the older I was going to ask,
1: was there a time when you were a young player and you saw yourself growing, you grew up, as you just said, as a leader in whatever game you were playing, did you maybe step over the line, step on the toes of, of a veteran player and and over state your get over your skis a little bit on on that sort of thing
3: yeah absolutely you know there were times um (laughs) chad marshall danny uh, Danny o'rourke you know all of those guys it was never it was never personal and they knew that but there's you know there's an intensity to everything that i feel a standard has to be there you know and um you know, there were times back then where I didn't feel like we were meeting the standard, and and I let that be known, and you know, they they had a problem with that at times. Duncan, you know, even sometimes like uh, that was more that was more early. That might have been different. That might have been me just acting out. Uh, <laughs> but no, some of those guys, uh, um, I definitely stepped over the line. I feel like, you know, and that's even that's even a young kid not necessarily even knowing how to control emotions, how to how to lead. You know, I thought I was doing that. Maybe I wasn't doing that. Um, but to me, there there was. Uh, a lack of, of leadership at times, you know, cause everyone, we didn't have a true leader, but everyone was trying to vie for that. And I feel like I saw that absent, that absent role there. And I didn't feel like I was the person to fill that, but I feel like at times something has to be said, you know? So uh, at least someone's talking is how I kind of approach that situation. So, um, and then the more, the more you talk, the more intensity you show, uh, I feel that only raises the level.
2: Is that something that you found yourself kind of like, you know, with the shoe on the other foot here later in your career? Were there any young players that, you know, I, I think that the makeup of the, these teams last few years is a little bit different, but yeah. you were always, I feel like even when, when Jonah was the captain or, or Darlington, they're, they're kind of notorious for being a little bit soft-spoken and you were kind of the, the, the vocal leader on the field. Yeah. Um, did you find some, you know, young guys who maybe stepped out a little bit, but that you had to check, but also had the perspective of a guy being that young guy, too, and could kind of take them aside afterwards and talk with them about yeah. it? So you don't feel that?
3: So before I answer that, let me yeah. ask you guys, do you do you guys have a guess of who that would be? Aiden Morris.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>.
4: <laughs> all right,
3: there you go. Um, <laughs> and to me, to me, I have uh, I have such a good relationship with Aiden. He's like a younger brother to me. So um, I would get it. I would get in it with him all the time, mm-hmm. you know, because I would get after him, and then he starts to become this what he is, right? So mm-hmm. then he's he's kind of pushing back, like hey. Don't talk to me like that anymore. No, which to me, which to me, in the, in the heat of the moment, you know, you want to strangle him. But, but after training, you look at him like, all right, you know, I, I'm proud of him for for being that way. There's only one way to get that way, and you have to make things uncomfortable. You know, there has to be this point where I feel like it's my time now. You know, so. Um, you know, for him to be that way and for him to kind of come into that role, I feel like it's only, you know, the sky's the limit for him as far as as far as far that goes.
1: That's funny that you mention him, and I know you guys are, well, that's the easy answer. Again, look him in the eyes, yeah. right? I mean, that intensity. I wouldn't want to play against that yeah. guy, and I wouldn't yeah. want to play against you either, you know, because of that, you know, you're just there with that death stare, and woe to you. Coming after a, a 50-50 ball against me, and that guy is a freaking linebacker. Oh, right he's there. an animal. Yeah. Is he is he going to be able to play as long as you did? Because he's <laughs> he's not.
3: He is taking the body, as they say yeah. in hockey. Yeah. Oh, I'll, I'll I'll say this. I mean, I feel like a lot of luck goes into 14 years of uh, of anything, right? Yeah. Um, but to me, he handles himself. I put Will Trap up there. I put like Michael Bradley. Yeah. As far as guys that I've seen who commit themselves to what they're doing as much as he commits himself he's top like as, as far as the guys i've ran into he's um he's an incredible professional and so, was
1: he now 22 yeah
3: I I mean, it, yeah i just
2: had a beer like, with him
0: like for first time ever right? <laughs> <You> know,
2: <laughs> the first time ever that was,
4: that,
0: that was like one of the weirder things during that that 2020 mls cup run where it went like i was like all right well we're going out. Like, we'll see you. Well, you can't come, you know? Yeah. like there. And there were moments where you sometimes had to remind yourself that that, like... How about the post-game locker room? Well, that's a, that was a, that's a whole different thing. But right. yeah, they were the same thing. But it, there were moments where you had to remind yourself that that dude was, like, a teenager right. 18 months ago. Yeah. Because uh, on, on the field um, and, like, in those kind of professional interactions he's not 1920. Right. You would never have thought that just because of there's something there's something that there's like an element of, and I think Brian like of like getting it and I'm air quoting here of people who get it, yeah. right? And you know if you've been around it long enough you know right away which ones which players kind of do and which ones don't and the it's alphas. Vi- what the alphas yeah or, or or at the very least like I would even go so, i would even take it like a step further and say like self-awareness yeah in yeah, terms of where are you having the ability to understand where you, f- understand where you f- fall in like the hierarchy in right. pecking order and also having an awareness of how that can change and move yeah. right and it's pass fail you either have that or you don't and i think you're a good example of a guy who absolutely had it aiden is another guy i think as well and I don't think it's a stretch to say that there's both success on the field and the longevity that can come downstream of stuff right. having that attribute.
3: Yeah. yeah. Uh, did you want to add something? I was, I was just going to say I think why I think Aiden is is a good leader now and will continue to be a good leader is the idea of self awareness in in moments um, of chaos and moments of all of this who who is able to think outside of themselves you know like because in a lot of those moments you start to think about yourself and self preservation the game's getting crazy yeah i sure hope i don't mess up as long as it's not me you know that's a lot of i feel like i find a lot of those situations as long as it's not me i'm good so self preservation like who has the the balls yeah. to say okay i'm good i know i'm good i prepared myself enough to be in this situation how do I start leading and how do I start taking care of other people? And I feel like that's an incredible attribute to have. And I feel like he has that in spades and he's able to, he's just got so much confidence in himself, you know? And at that age, I look at him sometimes and I'm like, "Ah, is that like, is it fake? Like, are you faking it? (laughs) But it's not, it's not, it's not, not, I'm telling you right now, it's not fake. You cannot fake two championships at the age of 21, 22 years old. You can't fake that, you know, you're in enough situations to where that guy has it and, uh, um, that self-awareness to, to be able to to think outside of yourself and think, OK, I'm, I'm good. I've prepared myself enough. And that also leads back to he's an incredible professional. So he does prepare himself enough to where he is able to look at himself in those situations and say, OK, I know that I'm good. I'm good. Now, how do I help everybody else? Yeah,
4: I, I,
0: li- I like that you brought Aiden because actually I think that that brings up something that I've actually been thinking about since probably 2020. And then all the chaos that 2020 was, but the things that happened right before MLS Cup, and right before you you go into the game, you lose Pedro, you lose Darlington. What are you thinking? What are you telling the players? And then you have a 19-year-old that's going to be about to start in your midfield. Yeah. Uh, that is a, like what was that? His I don't think it's it was his first ever start, but no. like, he's only played like two or but three games. But it was games. like a handful, yeah. I yeah, exactly. So what what? How did how did that go about?
3: Um. I, I told my dad and my grandpa we were still going to win, you know, I was I and and again, it's uh, The confidence that that I had and I saw and everybody else is that you just can't fake it You know, this is another thing where it's like You feel in those moments There's like an oh-shit factor of like <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're gonna need some luck here or it's just like it doesn't matter, you know or and, Lucas. And I, yeah, yeah. Or Luke, Exactly, uh when you have yeah, when you have a guy like that, it's easy, too um, but I remember aiden he, he just it, it, it took me a little while to kind of trust him as, as a professional. But I remember him at like 16 and 17 coming into the team. And normally when you get 16 and 17-year-olds, it's the touches are timid and everything is timid. And it's like you can literally see them think by mm-hmm. what they do. It's like they're thinking yep. a lot. Like everything that they're doing is like thinking. And it's like with him, he was just playing. And I remember thinking, "Oh man, that is incredible that he's that that age and he it doesn't seem like he's bothered it seemed like he's like thinks he should be in this situation um so he he had had that since he was a young kid and then that training week leading up to the final it was like he he was balling in training he was pinging balls across the field he he seemed like at peace with the situation you know like as soon as he was called on he stepped in and he was just like yep this is my moment so i think all of that led to me feeling confident enough tell my my dad and my grandpa like i've never really said anything like that to them before it wasn't like i was like oh yeah we're gonna win like it was like no i still think we're gonna win i truly believe it so uh, talking to them I, uh, I remember at that point i talked to aiden you know in, in like a mentorship role um but i remember saying like all gas no brakes
4: to him i'm like
3: look that's how you play that's just that's you you know so that we were it's all gas no brakes now I remember he got into a tackle right away and it was like, all right, he's good, I don't need to worry about him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then from there, the
5: rest, you know, the rest is history. You've played on really good teams and some not so good teams, <laughs> as you alluded to early. What in your mind separates that? Because everybody's a pro. I mean, I think the margins are probably pretty fine. Yeah. What What makes those good teams as good as they are and... and the not so good teams. So uh, good.
3: Darlington.
4: <laughs> 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 no, good players, uh, obviously. Huh? Um,
3: yeah, that's a good question. I think it's um, training habits. I think for one, um, I think there is a there's a center there's like a synergy within the team that I can't. I thought about it a lot and I can't quite put my hand on it, but I I think you just need. You just need good dudes. As crazy and simple as that sounds. (laughs) Like, you have to be able to like each other, and if you don't like each other, you have to be able to trust each other. You have to be able to trust each other that, I know at least you're gonna put in the work. So whether you don't like me or not, I have to know that you're gonna put in the work, you know? And if you don't have that, then the blame game comes, and as soon as the blame game comes, it's over. Like, you don't have, as soon as everybody can't trust each other, then if you can't trust each other it's back to that self-awareness thing where everybody has to start looking out for themselves and i feel like that is a recipe for disaster so um you don't uh, i would say wilfried is like an x factor because he's to me he's like not only an incredible coach but He's an incredible man, so therefore that's an X factor. He's like an outlier. I think Greg Berhalter is like an outlier, you know. But everything else is like you don't even have to have an incredible coach or a bad coach. Or it doesn't matter if you have a, if you have good people in the locker room and you have a trustworthy group. I feel like that you can pretty much do anything with that. There there is luck involved in all of that yeah. and, and matchups and all that. But to me, it's like that that trust factor is everything.
5: You you bring up Greg. Do you look back at those teams and just like. I can't believe we didn't win yes. something. I mean yes. mm-hmm. all the God, time. I do. Yeah. <laughs> no offense. All the time. Wait,
3: seriously. Yeah, yeah. All the time.
5: Yeah. It just I think about those teams, especially when 2014, when yeah. he gets here that first game, mm-hmm. that first home game, and the way you guys were playing, and you know, Will dropping into the back line. Uh, and the league didn't know that. No. I mean it happens now all the time, but, yeah. And just how, how that team and I know you guys came close a couple times to getting there mm-hmm. and obviously the championship game, but yeah, to me that's that's just blows my mind. Yeah, and that people don't appreciate what he was able to do with the budget and kind of things that were happening. in, yeah. in Columbus at that point. So,
3: so I actually just got to go down to um or uh Orlando and and spend some time with Greg um for the past for like three days. I got to sit in all the meetings and all that and um that I remember sitting in the meeting thinking, how the hell did we not win multiple? Yeah, like not one, like multiple. I just. The way this guy's mind works and and how he operates, um, I have so like so so much respect for that guy. Like, he is he is so class to me. Um, and I remember that first season we were in preseason, and this is the only time it's ever happened but on the field. I remember guys asking us, like, "What are you guys doing?" <laughs> you know, like they, they were perpl- like, <laughs> like nobody opon- knew what opponents? that was going on. Opponents okay. in the middle of the game. Like, what are you guys doing? <laughs> and I'm just like, and I was trying to figure out the system too. So I'm like, to be honest, I don't know. I'm just kind of doing what they show me. But I remember people were, we were smacking teams. We were absolutely destroying teams. And and that was the first time that I had, I had taken soccer serious up to that point. But I had never thought of the game on that level before. I didn't know it was possible to think about anything on that level. You know, like, he completely changed my mind not only about soccer but about. Anything, anything that you want to do in life, if you if you start to break it down the way that he broke it down, it's like there's such a uh, there's such a beauty to anything if you're ready, if you're willing and able to to break it down that way and to put in the effort that he does uh, day in and day out. That's really well, cool.
1: I think this is a good segue to talk about Wilfried a little bit more and the tactics that he employs and the times during the season. We talked about him here where we were, as you just said, what are they doing, right. you know, this insistence on a certain way of playing that had to be learned. Yeah. And you observed that throughout the season. This man never seems to waver from what he wants to do tactically. Right. Right? I, that's got to be difficult because if you have... Some meltdowns at the end of matches, especially where yeah. points are left on the table. How does he get the guys to continually whip out their card and buy in again on Monday when you go to training and you prepare for the next week? Because it wasn't all an upward trajectory this right. year. How does he do that?
3: Yeah, um, that's a great question. Um, and to me, you do that by saying at the beginning of the year, hey, Patrick Schulte If we're gonna ask you to play this way, you're gonna mess up multiple times. I don't care That's already factored in to how I view how you want to play So therefore if you mess up in any game say Cincinnati away at Cincinnati (laughs) and (laughs) everybody thinks the world's (laughs) over I don't care who cares. It's one game one game in day, you know, so I Need you to play how we're asking you to play if you're afraid to play that way You don't have a role on the team. You
4: can't Mm -hmm. play so that's therefore, a great
1: point. So, if you have fear to play the way I want you to play, you're not going to play.
3: Can't play.
4: Can't and play. that's
1: for everybody, 100%. right?
3: 100. So that's, that's so. Classic. If you have an idea, Greg Wilfried, if you have, if you're bringing an entirely new system to a bunch of guys, the first thing that you have to say is, I don't care if you mess this up because we're all learning, all right? I'm I'm putting you out there. Mm-hmm. I, I have an idea in my head, but I'm also willing to say, hey, I messed that game up. That one's on me. So we're all learning in this situation. I have this idea, and I think this is how the game needs to play. This is my idea. I'm asking you to play this way. Can I be mad at you if you... There's always going to be human error in this, in this game, right? That's, that's how, what the game is, basically. So if you have fear of messing up, and I put that fear in you, then, then how the hell are you ever going yeah. you, you to have any confidence to, to actually do what I'm telling you to do? first time you mess up you're going to shell up and then the whole thing's done so he has an incredible uh like i said before he's an incredible teacher of the game he's an incredible teacher of his ideas a lot of people who are in this game they're you know you could be an, in, an incredible talent but if you can't teach and portray what, what is in your head then you have no chance of having any success so he's able to to get trust in his players by just saying hey i'm asking you to do something difficult i know this so if you mess up you're not going to be benched, you're not going to be, you know, like, if you continue to do it, okay, we might have to, have to have to have that discussion. But the first and second time you do it, hey, it's already factored in, man. We already knew this was going to happen. Continue to play, continue to get better, and I'm asking you to do difficult tasks, so do it without any thought. I trust you. Go out and play, and I think that's, you know, that, that to me bought the entire team, and that was the same message the entire year. Like you said, he never wavered from it, and...
1: You're on another club preparing to play against the crew this year. You're watching film. Maybe you haven't faced us yet. What are you seeing that makes your job difficult on that Saturday night facing the, this crew
3: team? Nobody's a. Af- nobody on their team is afraid of pressure, right? We. Everybody we're inviting you to come closer. Come closer here. Come here. Come here. Come here. Okay. You're close enough. I can pass it and, uh, <laughs> So if you have a guy like I went to the national team and I'm watching all the players and the first thing that stuck out of my head is Nobody likes when players are around everybody. Uh, we got to go backwards mm-hmm. Not in this system. It's like no come here. Come here. Okay. You're good. Now. We move now. We played around you because by you coming here, that that creates something here, right? And then by you stepping in this way, we just play it around you, and then another guy's got to come. Everybody just starts to be dominoes. You're late, you're late, you're late, and we just pop it around you. So to me, when he started to talk about you don't need to play the ball until someone's close enough to touch you, then it's like, what do you mean? And then it's he hard. starts – it's hard. It's, it's unnatural, right? Yeah. Because especially – if you think about who he's telling that to, he's telling the three center backs when there is nobody behind you, don't pass it until someone's close enough to touch you. You know, like that is, as a center back, I know that situation and that <laughs> is scary. You know, anybody who gets around, you almost, you know, it, it, it becomes, the field shrinks. You know, he's asking you to know, keep your head up. They can't get you anyway, so what does it matter? Unless he's close enough to touch you, you can't, can't do anything anyway. So the whole season, him giving that message and telling guys that, and then you actually see it start to develop where rudy's on the ball sean's on the ball steven malta like who by the way Malta is uh, probably the greatest pickup of the year easily but one of the best pickups i've ever seen but the comfort that these guys had on the ball and everybody had on the ball because he is teaching that all year and creating drills to to intensify that where you're in tight spaces and like if someone you know if someone touches you then you have to turn the ball over things like that is that, that, to me, if I'm the opposite team and I've never seen anything, then I like, well, if we put pressure on they don't really care. So I don't understand, like, that's what we're trying to do, and they're almost welcoming that. So I think that's a
5: scary thing when I'm, when I'm watching you, the team. Are you surprised it worked as quickly as it did? <laughs> Not just that, I mean, obviously you guys had talent and the system was was proven, but that it clicked enough to win a championship in the first season.
3: Yes and no. I think... Yes, because at first it was it was really really hard because nobody mm-hmm. was comfortable asking, doing what he was asking of us. So nobody's comfortable doing what I was just talking about. And then there's Darlington.
4: <laughs> Darlington is like.
3: So while everyone else is trying to learn that, Darlington is like that's his element. That's mm-hmm. he's right. he's one of the best. Obviously, I, honestly, I think he's one of the that's best in the I'm world better. at this. Yeah. Like yeah. he's. In, He's a master at that exact thing, like, get closer, get closer, I'm going to hesitate this way and I'm going to go that way and you don't have a chance. So when I saw him in that system, and then I'm like, and then you see Aiden, and then when I see Aiden and knowing how quickly he catches on to things and how much he wants to learn and he won't stop until he knows and learns it, um, That to me was a a a point where i was like okay like i know those two are gonna be good and then it's just the center backs like our center back's gonna be okay with this and then you kind of go through that period but the whole year wilfried was telling us exactly what's gonna happen we're gonna struggle at first you know we gotta figure out what to do here we gotta figure out if this is gonna work or not who who can play who can actually do this so we're gonna struggle we're gonna struggle and i was telling my family the whole time no i don't think we're gonna have success at first but eventually we'll take off it's
5: sure enough it's funny you say that because we were just talking to the guys with the U.S. camp, and they were talking about how the Philly guys were telling them, coming out of that first game, like, you know, 4-1 or whatever it was, they were like, we don't know how we beat you guys that bad. <laughs> like, obviously it was Two new. completely PKs well, is how that, that happened. They, they said, you know, I think it was either Sean or Pat said that one of the guys, you know, they were sitting around and just talking about how, like, we, we walked away from that game being like, that team might win MLS Cup, yeah. and we just beat them 4-1. Like... <laughs>
3: Weird. Steve Clark told me in preseason when we played Orlando, uh, Houston that we were going to win the MLS Cup. He said, anyway, he's like, you guys are going to win. You, guys, you uh-huh. guys are the best
0: team I've ever seen. Well, I bet on it, too. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers what, to that. One, day. Yeah. one thing that I think is interesting is like the idea of a, of a manager slash coach. And I think it's especially um, fascinating in soccer as opposed to baseball or basketball or whatever it might be. Um, but the idea of being uncompromising in like your, phil- you know, kind of philosophical opinions of the game, and how some coaches are like, I believe X Y Z, but I have no ability to teach that or like dictate that to where it's digestible by teams, and then other coaches are just like gifted yeah. at it, and it's. I think you, you you can look in MLS and you can look across the entire. Landscape of world football soccer and it I feel like you can very much pick out the guys who are like I think there are a lot of tactical kind of philosophical Philosophically gifted managers Mm -hmm. out in the world, but there are only a handful that are able to feed it Incrementally to see buy-in early and then and then get the most out of kind of the working parts what makes what, What do you think makes Wilfried? like one of those guys because I don't know if we would have never really said that outside if you'd asked some of the Montreal guys from the previous couple of years a couple of them would probably said like oh yeah there's something there but I don't think from like the outside looking in I don't think people would have realized that why what do you think or why what are the reasons why or what do you think the, the attributes that he possesses to be able to be kind of one of those guys because um. it's weird right like you know from a person kind of person-to-person relationship level, like, I believe this, I want you to do this. But also, like, I have to, that, like, Wilfried has to manage that relationship in a positive kind of, um, almost like a, like a nurturing kind of way, where other guys are more like hammer, nail, Right, you're the nail, I'm the hammer, kind of. Yeah. Thing.
3: Um, to me, it's a, there's a selflessness to him, and it, there, his he's not he's not driven by ego he's not driven by his personal accolades yeah like that's not and to me that's everything within a teacher right like there has to be more than personal gain when you're asking people to do what he's asking people to do right like in order to get guys to be willing to risk themselves in front of twenty five thousand people on a on a game by game basis like you have to you have to be able to, to connect with them on, on a deeper level than just tactics. It yeah. has to be personal, you know, and he's not I wouldn't say that he's like this loving person. No, he's he's cold when he needs to be cold. And he said that right away. Like there's there's a there's a coldness to a manager in which if it's not working, you have to be able to move on. Like some guys just can't do it, you know, like. There are some there are some factors where you give a guys enough chance and you see something in them and if they can't do it you have to be able to have that cold side to you and say okay we have to move on from this but to him there is a there is such a it, it's like he's so so ego less you know yeah. like and the best ones i feel like they're able to they're able to to connect with guys because you can feel that he's not driven by an ego he's not doing this to to promote himself you know like i truly i truly feel that and i think the whole team feels that and you felt that right away with him yeah you know by by what he's asking the team one of the first clips he's asking us is he shows us man city and he shows us a beautiful goal the very and he said this is nice you know we plan on doing this But he said this is what's important and he shows us a corner kick for man city and it's headed out and the counter happens and all 11 guys are sprinting backwards. And he's like, this is what's going to make us great. It's not the beautiful goals, it's this dedication and sprinting back. That's what's going to start winning everything. And to me, go ahead.
1: No, I'm sorry. I I was just gonna say that this conversation gets me so excited because I'd love, in any facet of life, a, a person who has an expertise in something and they're teaching it to other people, the process is more important to them personally. They get more gratification out of something that goes right that the rest of us don't see. Right. Just a small moment in a match that maybe doesn't lead to a goal, but it's almost like he's seeing a light bulb go off on top of a a player's head. Oh, he's getting it. Taking
0: more pride in the training than the results in the game in some ways. So to
3: that, I can't tell you how many times We'll be reviewing a game, and he'll 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 highlight a moment like that. For instance, one pops into my head: goal-scoring opportunity. A guy cuts up our our defenders in the box. Steven Moreira comes from right center back to block a, a shot at left center back. Puts his body on the line, deflects it over crossbar and out for a corner. He gets up, celebrates. He's like, "This is beautiful to me," you know. Like, obviously a big moment in the match, but it isn't. It isn't something that people are going to stop and say, wow, that was the difference in the game. But to him, it's those moments where it's like you're looking out for each other. OK, this is exactly what I'm talking about. Selflessness. It's not just about you. It's about the collective. You know, so you getting Stephen getting up, high fiving Patrick, Patrick realizing that was a big moment. So those those little moments, I feel like separate, right, a good team from a great team. Mm-hmm. And you get enough of those moments like what Steven did, you end up with a season like we had. And, and he he's he's so he's so good at those moments
5: and highlighting those moments it's funny he made a comment the week of MLS Cup I think it was early in the week when like it was just the local people and but there was a zoom call that, that national guys were on and I read exactly what he said but basically like it didn't matter if we won like we've built these relationships mm. you know and and like we'd heard it all year but one of the the national guys later in the week like came up to me and he was like did I hear him right? He said it didn't matter if they won on Saturday. And I was like, yeah, like, he's so different in that yeah. way. Like, that's not what, you know, and obviously he wanted to win the game. I mean, I don't want to make it sound like he didn't, but it it it, stood, it didn't stand out to me in the moment. But then when someone came up and asked me about it, I was like, yeah, that must sound pretty weird yeah. to somebody who's not around it that often. And, and clearly you guys were around it way more than I was, right. but just hearing him talk all year, it, it's obvious that process, those moments that you're talking about—that's what he cares about, and, and teaching that is, is what he cares about the most, and, and right. seeing it then acted out.
3: When he said it, did you believe him?
5: <laughs> uh, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, In this, I mean, he didn't want to lose the game, yeah. but like, yeah, having heard him and getting to talk to him—you know—even outside of the press conferences, like. He wants to teach. And right. I, I think Greg was similar, like wanting to show people how this will work and yeah. like why you want to do that. And not just this is the way we're gonna do it, right? Yeah. And and you know, the results will come whenever they come.
4: Right. Uh, when- I
2: did, You know, going back to Steven Moreira as you know, someone who famously made the transition from outside back to center back for the crew did you obviously the the context of the center back in and the, and the way that that Wilfried has them playing is a little bit different but is that something that, that you talk with Steven about or you know making that transition from the position
3: I don't need to tell Steven anything <laughs> Yeah. <but. laughs> uh, um, no, to me uh, I thought
2: uh, you played very similar style yeah, no, <laughs> no, yeah right? uh yeah,
3: yeah when i watch Steven i see myself in that yeah. game for sure uh no he um Man, Steven to me should have been Defender of the Year. I think, mm-hmm. honestly, I, th- I think he was that good this year, and I don't think it was close. I think what he's asked to do, game in and game out, and then not only that, what he does on top of what he's asked to do, yeah. to me, make it separates him from all the rest. Like he is an incredible, incredible soccer player. Um, and I, uh, other than other than some leadership stuff, like to me, I feel like he's kind of coming to his own. Um, mm-hmm. As far as being a leader, he, he, he was almost propelled into that role that like he didn't have a choice, right? Because, yeah. um, like you said, Darlington is—he's the—he's the leader, right? But he's not the most vocal guy, so he needs guys around him to kind of fill that role. And Steven is one of those guys who is always joking, but at the same time, he might be—he might be one of the most intense guys on the team. You know, like every training session, he's—he's he's getting into it, so. It was it was good to see him grow into that role because I don't think that was a natural role for him, but he accepted that, and, uh, you know, he really stepped up in that way. So, you know, on, on top of his play on the field, I think uh, he really grew as, as like, a man this year, and I feel like that's, you know, this is just a start, I feel like, to what he could do. So I'm, I'm glad we signed him again, man. He's he's a huge piece to what we are trying to do. Like, that is an important, very, very important piece, and to me it's like a luxury having a guy like that on the back line. That guy's in
2: you were talking you know about kind of you know what it takes for for, for greg to establish what he was able to establish with the team and, and what Wilfried was able to do and then and then how you're down you know with the national team and can you talk about the dynamic especially a guy who, who's been around greg and is familiar with him and and implementing that system and, and the mindset that you have to and the challenges that are presented when you're coaching a national team players that Aren't going to be there with you, you know, every week, week in and week out, that you can go and spend all that time on video with and really implementing that system. Did, do you see, the, you know, a challenge with that for him, and how do you think he's adjusting?
3: Yeah, I think that's his biggest challenge. Mm-hmm. I think he is so obsessed with the game, and he has this growth mindset that is on like hyper hyper go all the time like he is he is one of the most fascinating people i've ever been around so i think the biggest challenge is not being able to coach every day right um and especially not being able to coach on the level that he wants to coach on the detail Mm -hmm. that he goes into so you get a three-week window and how do you manage to coach these players who in this camp have never been around each other a lot of these guys i think five or six guys had ever been in the camp so a lot of them aren't even worried about tactics they're worried about like how are they judging me you know like i'm i'm nervous just to be in here so they're you know these guys are judging me these guys are literally focused on my every move so um the one thing i would say to that is which i was so impressed with is Hope he doesn't mind me talking about it, but I don't think he would. But they—they they basically had a—he doesn't
5: listen anyway. Yeah,
3: <laughs> they had a high-performance uh, consultant for the coaching staff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so oh, the first wow. meeting we're in, this guy starts talking, and I'm like thinking, like, who the hell is this guy? <laughs> he's like, he's basically telling these guys what they did wrong and all that. And I'm looking like, who is this? You know, like, this is this is wild that an assistant would be telling these guys this. But he basically brought this guy in to evaluate them during their their meetings during their meetings with the players during their on field performance. So and this guy had an insane background. He won multiple gold. medals. he's a field hockey coach. He won a bunch of gold medals with Britain. Um, But that just speaks to who Greg is as a person, as a coach. He's constantly trying to get better. So I asked him about it. He said, I just want to get better. I want all of us to get better. So I brought this guy in just to tell us to get better. You know, how can we improve in all of these situations? (laughs) So
4: that blew my mind, right?
3: Uh, so that shows you what type of mm. detail this guy's going into and how this guy's preparing himself. But to your question, I think he struggles with that. And you know, I think any coach would struggle with that, you know, um, especially bringing in an entirely new group of guys. Normally a national team, you, you have your core group of guys and you're kind of bringing them in, you know, a couple of times a year. But uh, to me, it was more um, just implementing the system and kind of always kind of pulling the reins i felt like that's what they were all kind of doing pulling the reins and we can't you know they don't know exactly what we're trying to tell them we know that they're going to be nervous so how do we kind of i feel like it was almost a learning experience for them you know like they were they realized and they broke it down into you know the the nth detail of what exactly these players were thinking um do we want to do this no that's too much let's pull the reins back and then there's this factor of like, how can we just let them play? You know, like at the end of the day, you, you don't want guys to be sitting there like robots, like, you know, go left, go left, go. Left. No, nah, nah, nah. you want to be, you want guys to feel natural out there. So, I feel like that's uh, that was a struggle for him, if there was a struggle. I feel like that was the one thing that I would say. Um, there's, you know, like anything, there's probably some information overload in all of these guys, you know. But uh, I think that's part of the next level, right? You're gonna, if you're on the national team, you want the best coach possible, right? So. You have to be ready to accept that detail and 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 step into that moment and and be able to to function on that level that these guys are functioning on. well, it sounds like you've given a lot
1: of thought to your coaching profession yourself <laughs> i
3: have. High performance <laughs> coaching—you you just go straight, to yeah, that. go straight to that. You're not doing this right.
1: <laughs> it sounds—it sounds, it sounds uh, appealing to just tell people they're wrong for <laughs> right?
5: many hours a day. Deloitte has made an entire yeah, industry. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we
0: call it consulting. Consulting. Yeah, that's
5: right. I, I think what Brian's getting at is—is is what what's next for you? When yeah. when you and I talked several months you know, last season when I did that story, um, you were saying like coaching was something you were interested in, but you also know the time commitment these guys yeah. put into it, and you weren't sure coming out of a career of this that you want to do that. So where, where kind of are you in your process here?
3: Yeah, I think that um, was my biggest concern with everything. It was like I've given 14 years uh, to this game, and I I only ever really thought about myself for that amount of time. And as I got older, you, the amount of time you start spending on yourself only grows, so amount of time you're stretching, the amount of time you're focusing on game film, meditating, doing everything you have to have to do to prepare yourself gets bigger and bigger. So to me, one of the best things that I've felt during retirement is I was able to not think about myself is like think about other people. You know, I got a little girl now, so start. She's the center of my world. You know, my girlfriend, Olivia, like I love spending time with we've only grown closer as I've been able to stay home more and raise Arlo. Um, So to me, that was, it's such a huge factor. And I love the feeling that that brings. Um, But then you go into camp with Greg and it's like, geez, (laughs) like, I love this, you know, like I'm, I'm obsessed with this game. I love, I love talking about it. Um, So to me, I do feel like, uh, I don't know if I'm willing to commit the amount of hours that Greg commits. Like, I feel like he is, he is top level, you know, but that made me realize that. If you want to do this, there are guys out there doing that. Mm-hmm. So, like, how do you, you know, you got to get to that level at some point. Um, so, to me, it's, uh, you know, weighing all of that. But I, I do, I do eventually want to get into coaching. Yeah, I feel like I'm, I'm obsessed with it. I, I, I see myself as, a, as, as a coach, as a teacher, um, and that only inspired me more. And and yeah. then he, being around Wilfried, like, I want to spend as much time as I can around that guy.
1: Well, the good news is, though, is that you can jump in at a different level you right. know if you want to work with the academy kids you want to coach at a high school you want to coach at a college there's so many layers to this thing that you can sort of tool something that fits what you want to do and having a young child at home i, I get that i mean yeah. the greg Burhalter he's you know he's in his 50s now right yeah i mean his life is completely different than yours is right now right so he can be more laser focused on that yeah so you don't really have a i want to climb that particular mountain in mind you just want to climb a mountain is that fair
3: yeah i uh, think i think please um and, and before I even answer this question, I want to pause and say I don't think I'm anywhere close to these guys, right? Like, if anything, what I learned from that, that camp and spending time around him is I have so much to learn, right? I think there was – I had this idea in my head after 14 years that the transition from player to coach is something that would happen smoothly. Like, it's not – like, I, I was blown away by how, how proficient they are at Excel, PowerPoint. You know, all these guys are basically insanely good at just presenting you have to be in, you have to be so good at presenting information, and yeah. and so that's one thing where I was like, I, I took a class in college my freshman year on Excel like that's about as much time as I've ever spent on that. But these guys are like, they're all sitting around tables and it's just it's so efficient and organized and they're just popping in and out of these screens and I'm like sitting there the first day I was just blown away by how tech savvy they were. Yeah. I and mean, also right away I'm like talking to the assistant like, hey I'd like to spend time with you just on Excel you know so. I, I had an idea where and I, I was quickly humbled at this camp I was humbled for sure that is like this isn't gonna go as smoothly as I thought like you need to start from the Academy you know like that I don't want to skip steps you can't because if, if you skip steps you're gonna be found out somewhere down the line right? Mm-hmm. right so to me it's important to start from the ground and work your way up and I think I don't maybe that was my ego talking a little bit was like 14 years automatically put you here Like, I don't know where here, where I thought here was, but I'm not there, (laughs) you know? Like, I need to start somewhere more basic and and work my way up, and I think that will eventually only lead to good things down the road.
5: Well, and Greg started there. They all did. He was an assistant player. I don't know if he actually had that title, but when he came back to L.A., Thank you, brother. the, you know, working under Bruce and similar to kind of probably where where you are at this point. I also think... You talk to Sebastian, you talk to Greg's wife. Like, It's not like he was an absentee father. Like, right. Greg made it work, right? And there is a – it's a lot of work, but there's a pathway to do that. And, you know, it helps having your kid play for you in the academy. <laughs> so See, you can correct, work that so. out in the future somehow. But, uh, yeah, I mean, look, as long as I've known you, I think coaching you – know, and I've talked to other guys about this. Like, it's always seemed yeah. to be in your future. And you know, if you choose to do it, obviously, right. you know, you've got a and lot obviously- of like, – Oh, I'm sorry.
1: No, go go there. I, I was just going to say, obviously, your philosophy is center back scoring more goals.
5: <laughs> At the end of the
1: day, that's, that's the number one goal. Get forward as much <laughs> as possible. Yeah. So, uh, I just wanted to check some boxes with you real quick, because I, I like to hear about the stuff that we that we don't hear when we're watching a game. Who is the the toughest guy you've ever played against? You had the Markham. Just a, he was a pain in your ass. You've given me an answer to this before. So. From start to finish.
3: I, from start to finish, pain in my just ass. Just every
1: time you mm. saw, oh, God, tonight's going to be a long night. I'm <laughs>
3: glad I packed a lunch. Oh, man, there's a few that come into my mind. Here, um, Rudy was one guy who was always, he was just a pest. Always, and and when I say that, it's like, not with the ball. Like, he's a pest without the ball. He'll let you run by him just so he can, like, back defend and, like, poke a ball away. You know, like, when I think about him, it was, like, any ball that's kicked 50 yards over our head and we're running back and normally it's, like, nobody defends. these. He's sprinting, so you have to, like, shield it out for a throw-in. And you're like, what the hell was that? You know, like, just little plays like that. He was so annoying, but also, like, I respect that a lot because as a – their center back, you love seeing that, right? So, um, that's one. Dom Dwyer was always elbowing me, like, and I'm actually good friends with Dom, but he was a shithead to play against. Dom um, Larue, <laughs> <laughs> unbelievable. Shout for him, Um Who, who else? The one guy that I would say I didn't think we had any chance against was Laton. That's the one. That I was saw. where I was like, the- that
1: guy had to be really funny. I right? mean, because he's old no, dude. I didn't think anything <laughs> was funny <laughs> going on. <laughs> 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 I was happening out there. The himself is so funny. Well, oh, it's me. unbelievable. Uh, it's Terry t-
0: Kitchen how funny he is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> what did he <laughs> call him? He didn't call him.
4: Kevin, Kevin, that's right. Kevin, yeah. Kevin.
3: Kevin Kitchen. Yeah. Um, no, I think that was the one guy where it was. And maybe I've told you guys this story before, but this, I will tell anybody that has the the time to, li- to hear the story that when we were in the tunnel to play that game, <laughs> we're sitting there, we're out first, and it's like we line up on the right side. The kids are, the little ball kids that we walk out with are in between us. Right away, you know, all of them wanna line, they're always trying to like sort themselves so they can be front, so they can, you know, they can go to Zlatan. So, I'm in my head, like just face forward, thinking in my head, the first chance you get, you gotta crack them, so. <laughs> yes. So, in the tunnel, and all of a sudden, there was like a cold chill that like comes <laughs> and I'm just like, immediately like, what the hell is that? and then you just feel him coming and it's like he shows up and I swear to you, I, w- I like looked like that. Like it was like <laughs> he was nine feet tall and I was like, what the hell am I supposed to do with that? You know? And he just, he was joking with the ball boys and all that and it was the only time that I've ever felt that we didn't have a chance. Like, and I hate saying that out loud, but it's the truth. And then sure enough, we went out there and he didn't even care. It was like he didn't even care. <laughs> First time he didn't care. He, First tackle I get into, he puts it like out in front of him, and I remember thinking, like, I'm going to go into him, crush him, and he, like, the ball seemed like it was five yards away, and it was almost like, oh, that's too far, you know? And then I go to step in, and he, like, forearms me in the throat, and oh. damn near, like, my soul left my body. I couldn't believe the force that he had and, like, the distance he covered to shield the ball. And he was doing that. And I remember I, I couldn't breathe for like 30 seconds, but I t- tried to act like it didn't hurt. <laughs> that shit hurt like hell. And then he was volleying balls like that. I was going to head. He's hitting it, volley, like across the field. I felt so, as a man, like <laughs> <laughs> as a man, you just feel so inferior to this guy. You're like, God damn, this is a, this is a different species than I am. Wow. He, was, he was different. He yeah. was completely different. I'm so glad you told that story. <laughs> that's one of that's my, that's my favorite amazing. stories. Yeah. I,
1: I love that he had an aura. You know, almost like a vampire. I couldn't yeah. believe it. I never, your I, never, soul.
3: I never felt anything like this in my life, but it was—it was as—it was, was as real as we're sitting here, man. I—I, I, as soon as it happened, I'm like, "Well, this game's over.
4: <laughs> 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 this game's done."
3: And again, like I said, I hate saying that, but that's,
0: there had been the
3: guys that you played
1: against and with who just, no matter the situation, just cracked you up. Cracks me up. Yeah, I know it's serious, and you're out there, and the, the stakes are high. There had to be guys that you played against or with, who just no matter what the situation was, you're just kind of like, what the hell? Is this, the, <laughs> this
0: is the, the Stephen Lenhart Memorial category. Oh, <laughs> the, Steve. The, the Lenny. the Lenny most, well, First of all, most wild I'll, I'll, get to, I'll get the
3: Lenhart. Yeah. Eric Garrick is by far the funniest person uh, I've uh, ever yeah. known yes. in my life. He is gold, man. Gold, absolute gold. I talk to him every day. He's it's a group thread between Eric Garrick, Justin Miriam, Steve Clark, Cole Grossman, oh my and we talk every day. <laughs> if that if that thread ever leaks, man, <laughs> we are in some serious shit. Shut. Steve Lenhart. So I was I was with him for two years to start my career, and then the third year he joined like Alan Gordon and the Bash Bros and all yep. that, and they, that was him and Alan Gordon. I might add that I might add those two. Um, but I remember he came first half of playing in San Jose, and first ball goes up, 50-50 header. He cracks me in the cheek, and I remember falling down, looking up, and he's like, hey, Josh, how you been? <laughs> I was like, what the hell? Like, don't, I, I, I didn't know how to react. so I was like, oh, I'm good, you know, and got up. Second time, he comes through, unnecessary elbow. He's like, oh, my bad, Josh. And so at that point, I'm like, Steve, cut that shit out, man. You know, like, what are you doing? And it was the whole game that way. But as soon as he would do it, he would be like, how are you, man? Like, oh, I didn't mean that. And I'm like, yes, you did. I've been around you for two years, man. I know how you play. And, yeah, I, I mean, he'd do that in training. He would do that in training. And just that's, that's the way he played. And so you had to bring your, yeah, you had to bring your, your, your lunch pail to, to work every day with that guy, man, because he was – that's just how he lived, man. He was just a – carefree do but intense as hell
1: I love stories like this and and maybe none of you will remember this cartoon because I'm so much older than the rest of you but there was a, a Warner a Looney Tunes cartoon with the sheep dog protecting the sheep and and the wolf and every day they would go to a tree and clock in and they were buddy hey how's the family how you doing they're carrying the lunch pails and as soon as they clock in <laughs> it was the dog's job to protect the sheep yeah but and then they would walk off into the sunset as buddies. <laughs> that, always, that always amazed me how you guys can do that. And with players switching teams and so forth, I, to remain friendly with someone who, as you said, elbowed you in the cheek and says, "Oh my bad." I mean, that's, a, that's kind of a weird mindset to have
0: to be in. But
1: yeah. I mean, y- you're out there dealing a certain amount of punishment to each other, yeah. and then going, "Hey." shake hands after and go you say let's have a beer tomorrow you know whatever
3: not every player handles it the same way right like it depends on the person but to me i'm a i'm a completely different person once i cross the the lines right like i i i would say i'm like a, a cocky sob you know and like but i feel like you have to be that way like i don't know how not to be that way and be successful because if i notice that you're not that way you're victim number one right like you are you are the first person that you're prey so any person that i feel some some sort of energy to where like you're a little timid like that's when we go after you but if you're giving it back to me it's that's just part of the game right that's like dom dwyer i could think of one of it. he got a red card i remember he elbowed me right in the face you get up and you want to fight the guy, right? Like right away, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta do something with this guy. After the game, he texts me. I'm in my, you know, like hotel room, ice on my face. <laughs> yeah, what's up, man? How's the family? You know, like I forgive you. Like don't even worry about it. You know, it's. Uh, but to me, there's a, there's an intensity, and, and you ha- there, it is a must for any person that crosses those lines that you have to play this way. And sometimes you cross that threshold of right and wrong, and. As part of the game and are you i mean are you man enough to you know like i don't think dom is a bad person i don't think you know i don't think anybody nah, there's a few people but <laughs> if you're Name a bad names. person and you do that yeah then, then <laughs> I'll, I'll take exception to that but to me a lot of these guys that are out there they're not you know they're they're men just like i am and they got families they got they're trying to do right just every day like i am so to me it's part of the game it's interesting you
0: mentioned that because I, I remember this would have been um 2022 at RSL, they had the fireworks after the game. Yep. Okay. And I don't even remember exactly the game. I think it was like 0-0 or something. Was it 0-0? Yeah, yeah. Aiden started. Yeah. Yeah. So talk to Justin before the game, just like, hey, what's up? How are you? Great. Good to see you. Go You know, pass in the tunnel because the way RSL Stadium is a little kind of different. And then, but everybody leaves the same way out this, like, loading dock yeah. into that weird-ass parking yep. lot, right? I mean, remember, they had that building, that car catch on fire <laughs> yeah. during that during the game, and it was, like, the craziest thing. But they had fireworks after the game, and they brought people down on the field. So fans are just, like, you know, they've been, like, screaming bloody murder, and all of a sudden, everyone's got their blankets out, and they're on the field. And I'm watching the fireworks, and I feel like... I knew Justin was, like, around me, like, nearby, but, you know, we talked a little bit, and then it was that. And I looked and, like, turned around. And you guys were kind of, like, back and behind me a little bit. And it was, like, it was like you were in the locker room again and, like, joking and talking about whatever. And it kind of, it was, like, one of the first times where I'd really seen, like, a super hyper-competitive moments on the field. And then 15 minutes later, it was, like, the poking and jabbing, like, friendly, you know, kind of fun that exists right. with certain guys. And, like, how that rapport can be is, like, is, is, is super interesting, but also um, I think it's, like, it, it's something that I think is also somewhat unique to, like, MLS in American soccer because of, like, how you kind of, how you all of you guys kind of exist in this, like, kind of sporting universe, right? That, like, you know, if you go to the grocery store, you're not getting mobbed, right? right. And, like, that there's, there's, cert, there's some level of humility that you just have... That I think everybody kind of understands and feels, and then there's a camaraderie that comes of that, um, that I think is really interesting. Do, do, do you guys kind of have an awareness of that and kind of an, like a feeling of like understanding or whatever it might be in terms of how that how that is and how that feels?
3: Yeah, um, I, I joke all the time with you know with my friends and my girlfriend even, and it's like I'm an A-lister, you know, like I'll just <laughs> say that I'm an A-lister, like really, like I don't. There's no way I think that, right? Like. First of all, I would never want that right like, mm-hmm. that right. that looks miserable to me I yeah. don't like attention in the in the slightest so to me it's it's beautiful the life the the amount of uh to me it's just respect you know yes. like I don't need attention and all that just respect what I do and I will respect what you do and then we, we you know that's that's what it is it's a human interaction more than yeah. anything like don't I, I the worst thing for to me is like awkward situations you know right. like someone looks at us on a different level than I look at myself Mm -hmm. you know like and 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 to me I'm not saying that's right or wrong like it is what it is what these people want it to be but I would rather just have a natural human reaction like let's just have an interaction I should say just you be you I'll be me you can respect what I do and I'll appreciate that but like I also care about you as the person you know it doesn't always have to be about me and I feel like that's the that to me was the hardest thing of the 14-year career is like that's a uh, that's a weird situation to be in, man. And yeah. I can't imagine being any m- like more famous, I should say. Yeah. You know, like God, that would suck to me. That you would that would
0: be terrible. The first time you walk off the bus at like wherever DC or wherever it might be, and you see all the autograph people for w- wanting to find Lucas. Right. Like that was like that was like a jarring experience for me because I, I just fucked right off and pardon me yeah. in French, but whatever. <laughs> I just like walked right through, and then right. all of a sudden it was like I've got these people like elbowing their way. Yeah. And it's like shoving like Sean Zawatsky and like it's like it's like uh, the uh, when um, Ron Burgundy's character gets darted, in, or, or when uh, Will Ferrell ca- character gets darted in old school, and he throws the kid. Right, out right, of the right. Way. Right. It's like Sean Zawatsky's yeah. off the bus in front, and then like some autograph guy's like, Whoa. Right. And it throws him out of the way to try and get to Lucas. But I think it, it was like one of those moments where it was like, oh, we're not. This is not like old school MLS. Right. Anymore, where no one gives a. No, all due respect, favorite player of all time, mm-hmm. Brian Carroll. Everyone loves BC, but no one. Brian Carroll's not getting recognized off the bus 100%. in the same way. And like. Marco Echeverry wasn't getting
4: recognized. Yeah, he so was true. one of the greatest Truth. players Truth. in the world. I mean, ten years
0: if Caleb Porter was here, we'd talk about the Valderrama stories during Tampa Bay way back when. But like, yeah. it was. There was like a moment where. Um, it was like oh this is very different this yeah. feels very different and i think every player at least from my experience and, and, and being around you guys especially on road trips was like how you all digested that differently like jonathan menza maybe the most famous man in ghana right u.s totally different right. completely different true it was it, it just was it's wild to see how you guys all kind of handled yeah. that and digested it differently yeah.
3: i was around pierlo and yeah. lampard and yeah. those guys in new york for a few weeks and that was it. Was like Michael Jackson was. Yeah. We'd get off the bus yeah. and people are crying, like sobbing, yeah. and you, I, you don't know how to react in that situation. I, I was just mind blown. I'd have to sit there. I would catch myself sit there staring at these people. Like, is that? <laughs> are you serious right now? Um, so, so yeah, seeing that and then realizing that when we go to Cincinnati, that there's the only person that you see off the bus is the hotel manager. <laughs> you know, and there's just like, alright, so you, there is the no envelope
0: with your name on it. Yeah, like yeah, there is yeah. no
3: real reason to think that we're anything that we're not right there are obviously you get the lucases and and guys like that who have their fan base and all that but i never other than joking that i was an a lister I, I i never thought anything outside of that and i don't think um a lot of the guys that i that i'm best friends with they never we, you know we know what it is and right. we're, we're grateful ju- to be doing what maybe we're doing justin <laughs> <laughs> justin's got a little bit of that yeah, in it yeah him. <laughs> But we feed into that as that's well. Okay. <laughs> that's right.
4: That's,
0: what, that's what makes him That's what makes him fun. That's, and that's what makes
3: him yeah. successful,
4: yeah. to be honest. For
2: sure. You, so you, you were you know, a little bit you, – you mentioned your stint with New York, and I think you were a little bit bashful earlier when we were talking about, you know, the, those Greg Burhalter teams <laughs> and how they not win. And I think it's because <laughs> – the MLS expansion draft That's in 2015. Right. If you were on that 2015 <laughs> 100%. team, 100%. I do exactly. So message going. to Greg, telling that. But what you know, for a guy who who came up, you know, watched the Crew um, as a kid, drafted by the Crew, Ohio kid, um, and and again, like the expansion. I mean, expansion draft. There's no team that has a worse record with the expansion draft than the Crew, mm. and. What was that like, that just weird year where, not, you know, you're going away for the first time in your life from at least from Columbus uh, for, uh, professionally, and then you hit two teams and then finding yourself back with the crew?
3: So when you say no one has a worse record than the crew in the expansion draft, what in do you mean by of, that?
2: In terms of having players that get every single time, we yeah. have to – there's someone that gets drafted from the crew.
3: Yeah, all right. That's what I thought you meant. To me, yeah. I saw this the other day, and to me this speaks – about player development, Mm -hmm. coaches before. I saw something where it said Eric Spolstra. There's a rule in the NBA that nobody picks up players that Eric Spolstra gets rid of. (laughs) Because if you pick them up, they're never gonna be what they were with him. Mm -hmm. So to me, it speaks of the leaders and the coaches that we have. And how we're developing players that that teams want them. That's a good point. So to it's me, it's like
1: Bill Belichick assistant coaches, <laughs> right?
3: Yeah, Except I'll, they Actually, oh, do we something. need them. <laughs>
2: yeah.
3: Oh, we need them, right? Because yeah. they've 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 operated on a certain level under. Well, I where don't it was know. A lot
1: of them were kind of flamed out. But yeah. And, yeah, let's talk about your entourage in terms of Jeez. your uh, when you get up in the morning. What is your entourage of pain? <laughs> What, wh- who's, who's there waiting for you when you roll out of bed in the morning?
3: Um, well, normally it's the dog next to me. <laughs> Her, my girl on the other side. No, but
1: I mean, like, knees, back. Oh. Oh, what, what's, no, what's I actually there? feel good now.
3: Do you? So, yeah, okay. this is. Uh, I, was, I was talking to my, uh, my in-laws last night, actually, and they were, they were wanting, I forget about somehow we got onto the topic of, like, sugar and carbs and all that, and I, I try to limit them because, to me, when I do that, my, my joints ache and all that. So to me, the less I can have of that, the better I feel. So when I get out of bed now, it's still like the tentative, like, you know, like, feel it. Oh, ankle feels good. All right. knee feels good. Okay. Okay. I'm good. I'm good. And then left foot, you know, and then do that. Um, But to me, I I actually feel this was a huge um, a huge positive to me when I retired was I always wanted to retire and still feel good. Like, I want to be able to run around with Arlo when she's a young kid, you know? I don't want to be broken. Yeah. I didn't want to be broken, and I started to feel like I was broken, you know? So, to me, getting out of bed and not having pain, being able to hold her and go down the stairs and, like, have fun with her while I'm going down the stairs, like, that, those are little moments where I check in with myself where I'm like, wow, like, I'm... This is a, a very good moment in my life. Like, I, I'm able to do this, and I, and I try not to take that for granted because during those 14 years it was like one step at a time a lot of the time you know and getting out of bed and it's like my Achilles would hurt and my plantar fasciitis and I, like all that and then it's like I would just think in my head like I have two to three hours of preparing just to feel okay at training you know so those are those little moments that I don't think like fans like truly understand like it I know that you come to games on saturdays and sundays and it's like all oh, these guys lived a life and and in so many senses we do but there is a uh, there's a lot of sacrifice to being able to perform on that level and one of them is just dealing with an insane amount of pain like all the time it's constant so to me getting out of bed not having pain is like a beautiful thing
5: by the way, the Cavs have scored fifty-two points halfway yeah. through the second quarter, so you must be the good luck charm here hundred uh, percent for your for your boys.
2: And you mentioned, you know, you play so who you know, you play different games and stuff and other activities when you're warming up. Did you guys ever hoop? And could anyone touch you if you played point guard <laughs> back in the day? Um, no, I actually stopped I, I was yeah. I was so fearful
3: of getting hurt, man. Like I all my friends ski and stuff like that. Like I've never been <laughs> I've never been skiing. Uh, i've been water skiing but never actually hit the slopes um basketball i'd 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 play every now and then but i was always so nervous about the only thing i could do is golf really right like (laughs) you can't really get hurt that much getting playing golf so to me i avoided all of those and that's something that i'm actually like super excited about picking up you know
1: kyle martino back in the day used to come on my morning show all the time he was always really jealous because he was working during the festival season was his ba- favorite band was Fish. Okay. And I remember
0: all he that wanted to do. That feels very on brand. All, <laughs> yeah, it sure yeah, does. All
1: he wanted to do when he retired was go to Bonnaroo. Yeah. And we were there together, and he's texting me from the crowd at the Fish show, and his text is, "Woo!" <laughs> and that was it, is it? Stuff that occupied your entire summer, a good chunk of your year. Yeah, your, yeah. What are some of those little things that you want to do now that you have free time?
5: Um, man, can we expect you at Bonnaroo? <laughs> yes.
3: You look like you would fit. I, I, I would go to Bonnaroo 100. Um, but to me, yeah, my girl is a big. Uh, she likes Kygo, right? So I, I plan on going to Kygo with her, like as many times as she wants to go. You know. Um, my my thing is. I've missed so many of the most important people in my life, like their biggest moments, right? So to me, it's like, I would like to experience big moments with them. So whatever that entails, like I've I've got to live my dream for 14 years. Like I've lifted trophies in front of like fans. I've I've heard entire stadiums like say my name. Like those are insane moments to me, you know, that I can't believe I've actually got to live out. So to me, it's not, I don't even want to like, I've got to do what I've, I've, love to do for so long so to me i just i'm looking forward to like seeing other people in those big moments like how how do they how do they react in those moments you know i, I don't want to i know that kind of i didn't answer no, your question no but to no me, you
1: did answer my yeah. question perfectly i i can just imagine you packing up the the family vehicle just <laughs> stuffing it full of everything you need and stuff you don't, know, and just i don't road know trip just going road yeah. trip and just going camping or something
3: to me, well, my girl and her family, we're going to Disney World next next year. So to me, oh, like sorry. seeing Arlo, at yeah. Disney World. No, you know, like, big,
1: it's only great if you can go with a, your little kids. Because <laughs> if you go as an adult, like, which I've never done, but I can't imagine, it,
3: it's it's a bit much. I'm I'm not the biggest fan of Disney World, but <laughs> if I got my little yeah, girl there, yeah. then okay, you then just live different. it
1: through her eyes and right. they will be fine. Right, know, because it, it is. It's a lot. Yeah, I got I, it. I <laughs> but you have to I'll drive there to get the full experience. Okay.
3: I didn't plan on that, but I'll, I'll, oh, I'll take note of it. I'll take note of <laughs> you <to>
2: it. <laughs> you have to do it. I don't you, know if I'll never actually pull through. You have yourself. It's like, like you have. <laughs> i so from Ohio. That's so true. Moves,
4: That's so true. you know, Griswold, <laughs> right. yeah. You, you got
2: to fly with the car seat
3: otherwise. <laughs> 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 I'm going to rent one of those station wagons with the Woody, wood panels.
4: I can't possibly drive
1: anymore. Daddy, I need to go, buddy. We're not stopping
4: We're yet! Stop it. Just go. <laughs> get her a bottle.
1: <laughs> All Jet your aches up. and pains oh. will come back. That's it. right. Yeah, that's as right. you as you put down 14 hours before
5: <laughs> pulling off for <from> lunch. <laughs> that's right. Josh. That's good. What are these guys about to get themselves into as defending champions? What Ooh. what's the the toughest part of of trying to get back when you've won it the year before?
3: Um road games right like you get it's easy to get up for home games everybody can get up for home games road games have never been more difficult you get every the wednesday games where you just came back from Mm -hmm. seattle or you just came back from Vancouver, la and then all of a sudden you got kansas city at home or away in kansas city on a wednesday and you're the defending champ so you gotta you gotta they're bringing their best right so you're getting you're like the litmus test like everybody is now needs to measure up to you how do we perform against columbus I think that's you know that's the biggest test and also i'm sure i'm sure wilfrey's gonna have a tinker to his system so Mm -hmm. we you know the guys coming in and i know a lot of the guys they're they're incredibly humble guys but now it's like they might have figured out this system now wilfrey's gonna tinker with it so now you're probably gonna have a whole new wrinkle to start to try to unravel you know so how do you handle that while on top of that getting everybody's best shot
1: Wilfried <laughs> 2.0 exactly no. 2.0. and
3: I can't wait
2: for that yeah. so th- that was the question because MLS is like a copycat league right defending oh, question champs yeah are can other teams replicate what Wilfried was able to do or is it like the, the intangibles that you can't can't replicate
3: I don't think so mm-hmm. I really and I'm I say that with all humility like I don't and I Wilfried would tell you that with all humility hmm he would say they could mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you that I doubt it and I'm not saying that we're gonna repeat I'm not saying we're gonna like run away with the league at all I'm just saying I've spent I've spent time around a lot of high soccer IQ people and he is separates himself like he is different He is different in so many ways and um, a lot of it has to do with, it doesn't even have to do with soccer you know like. A lot of it what separates him is probably outside of soccer like mm-hmm. as high of a IQ as he has I don't I just don't know a lot of people who are able to incorporate life and soccer as well as he does it's it's an it's it was a pleasure to be around and I am so thankful that I got to witness it for a year
5: maybe maybe in Montreal with Laurent Oh, I like Laurent. Big fan of yeah. Laurent. I mean, Big fan of Laurent. I think if, so. you know, the the coaching side of it, because he was already doing some of that stuff, yeah. even when Caleb was here. But I think having gotten to know him a little bit, like he has some of that. Yep. And I think that's part of the reason Crew 2 was, is, you know, guys are talented, obviously. I agree. But that they were a success. I'll, that's a team I'm going to be very interested to watch I this agree. Year and I wish
3: team. nothing but the best for that guy. He is, um, it was, yeah, I, I wish he, uh, obviously if he was the coach we never would have got wilfried but i wish there was like a alternate universe that i could live in as well where he was the head coach here and we got to play under him because i have a lot of respect for him
0: the um rapid fire here is we're probably approaching the finish line because um, i think this is fun funny for me anyway for me anyway and i hope people listening best road trip in mls go Pacific Northwest,
3: mm-hmm. so when you go Portland, Vancouver, it used to be that way. It yeah. used to be like Portland, Seattle, Vancouver. You right. got to go... Um, that, to me, was awesome. Because you knew you were going to go in at least two days early and leave like the day after the game because the trip was too long. So you knew you were going to have sleep like four ac- or five the, days. The
0: sleep ap- uh, yeah. acclimation period. So, yeah, yeah that,
3: that was the best. Beautiful. It was the beautiful scenes over there. And also, you just got to uh, let loose on a
0: different level than normal road trips. Mm-hmm. The uh, you kind of answered this a little bit, but the um, your like least favorite opponent. You said Zlatan for yeah. obvious reasons. <laughs> um, is there a like a domestic guy, an MLS like kind of veteran type player that maybe falls into that category? Um.
3: Yeah. Let's go. For some reason, Brad Davis. You guys remember Brad Davis? Oh, yeah, for sure. This guy chopped me up so many times. It's like everyone knows. You weren't like, the only one, too. Yeah, you're going. Le- he's going left. Like yeah, 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 yeah I yeah. Fucking know that. Sorry about that, but I know that <laughs> everyone knows he's going left. But it didn't until matter. he gives you like yeah. this and then chops it and puts one side netting, you're like, oh, uh, oh, that's what you meant. Okay, gotcha. Uh, so yeah, I had to sit through a few, uh, a few different um, uh, like review game reviews of where. I, I was the I
2: was the, the villain in those. <laughs> yeah. yeah, just go ahead, everyone, line up. But yeah, he was a hard guard. What is the one call that would have made you want to go Matt Miazga and find a referee <laughs> after the game?
4: <laughs>
2: Ooh. <laughs> My first red card, actually, um, <laughs> in
3: Philly. That was actually my first goal and my first red card, in same game. Wow. I was going to say, I thought that was... That's the same like game. the Cody yeah.
1: Howe hat trick. 100%. Yeah. Um, the
3: Tony Chani hat trick. Yeah, what was the guy... <laughs> what, what was the kid's name? He actually played for Detroit when we we just lost him, what, a few years ago in Detroit? Yeah. He was... Uh, I should know this. I can picture his face. But anyways, He he was basically he couldn't get around me so he anytime we'd take off down the field like a counter attack he would try yeah. to kick my back legs and so I had enough of it and I shoved him down and the side ref saw the whole thing and then he basically like told the ref well he called a foul and then I went over and said a few choice words and that's what got me the red card but <laughs> to me it was blatantly obvious what happened um, but yeah to me I I if there was a, a, a video review room in my area at that point, I probably would have, I would have been a Miazga at that point right there.
0: Miazga before Miazga. Uh, okay, this is, this is a two-parter. Best, best MLS story and favorite MLS playing career story. Are they the same or are they different? And if they're different, you have to tell both.
5: There's probably some stories he just can't tell. Probably. No, 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 You were tired, You were tired.
3: There are no best, secrets now. My best story. We were in Kansas City early in my career. Actually, I think we won in Kansas City. I can't remember the game. I'm pretty sure we won. End up going out with Dom Dwyer after the game and his parents, who are wild but great people. <laughs> his dad was the hardest partier there. Wow. Yeah. Chad Marshall, Eric Gehrig, Justin Miram. Oh, that sounds dangerous. I think that's it. Man, I hope they don't I hope they don't hate me for this, but this is so good. Um, we go out that night, too many drinks, we're partying. A fan tweets at Chad. Chad tweets back, or right, he shows us in the club. Like we're in the club. Dom got bottle service or whatever, so we're in this. so he shows us. We're we're looking at it someone says put the score suck one hashtag suck one <laughs> so we all go I'll say suck two <laughs> we line it up like suck four ends up happening hashtag sucks four
4: I remember this.
3: we send those out at like 2am right like terrible <laughs> ideas and, and it gets out our PR guy at later that like the next morning like you guys gotta delete these right
0: like, so is that nice. this is Dave Stephanie era Oh, I don't
3: even remember which one it was.
0: After, there
3: might have been Marco. I was going to say Marco Rosa. Okay. Yeah. Okay, um, okay. But at that night, sure, we're, we're in a different... Uh, I can't believe I'm saying this, but we're in a different... Uh, we're in the hotel. Chad and I get the idea of... We're going up to our rooms, Eric's trying to get out, and it, it, Eric wanted to leave for like an hour, and we're all like, dude, relax, you know? So we get up to the, the floor, and we're on... Chad grabs him and we just strip Eric naked in the middle of the hall. <laughs> we grab his clothes and we strip him naked and he's screaming. Our equipment guy comes out, literally looks down the hall and just shuts the door. <laughs> <laughs> this
4: is not in <laughs> my <God. laughs> It was so good. equipment guy that does
0: not Oh,
3: it was so good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was so good. Um and then yeah, next morning we had to have like a you know group huddle with uh, Marco and we ended up having to delete it and all that. But that yeah, those stuck around. There was the some receipts for that. Yeah, there was yeah. receipts for that. But uh <laughs> looking back on it, that was that was probably that was my most memorable night. That was an insanely fun <laughs> night. Um it ended up being obviously that you don't want to put that out there, but to me there's like it, you know, if you have to be it, yeah, it wasn't that bad, right? No. Yeah. Um favorite moment? I would say favorite MLS moment would probably be, man, I don't know. I would say the one that sticks out, I don't, I don't know why it sticks out, but to me it was uh, the COVID year when we actually ended up winning mm-hmm. and knowing going through COVID and having Jonah Mensah, um, I don't know if a lot of people know this, but Jonah's uh, wife wasn't able to come into right. the country, right? right? Yeah. So he gets best 11 and I remember sitting on the field, and like his wife ended up doing a video yeah. and sending yeah, it yeah. to him. Oh. Mm-hmm. And like having that Watch moment. Watched it outside, right? Yeah, he watched yeah, yeah. it outside and like having that moment with him. It was, uh, and I, I remember sitting in that moment thinking, like, man, I spent this entire time with my loved one in like a safe environment, someone who I could like go to bed with, wake up with, like do everything together. And having that person who's just married, he just married her couldn't get her into the country. Um, and then for him to perform on the level than which he performed on was like I thought I'll never think anything other than than Jonah is just the man. Like that's a man. Right? He's the man. Um and he also did stuff for the community. Like he, he's just so selfless. Right. Like such a and to me that that's uh that like changed the my perspective on how how to like live as a man. You know, like how to yeah. like puff your chest up like he's still you know like you you, you, i think you said it like an alpha like still an alpha in the locker room like that is the man right performing that way and then at home going home to nobody in the hardest time that a lot of us have ever had to endure like that was a crazy time when we look back on it and he was doing all of that while being at home alone and uh him going through that and having his wife and just seeing him kind of in that moment like you could tell how appreciative he was in that so to me that was one moment that
5: outside of the championships and all that that kind of stick out and like, that was just cool man the cool moment let me ask you this and we can close out but um it really stuck out to me at mls cup and i've talked about this on the podcast but the number of guys and you talked about jonah he was there he didn't have to be there right the team had traded him before the season mm-hmm. duncan you brought him up he was there waylon yeah guys reaching out on social Harris media and tweeting all about like, all yeah. this yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. like the Crew family, which you are very much a part of. Yeah. What does that mean to guys who have played for the team? And why is it something that these guys, you know, want to... Brian Dunseth still, you know, right. obviously yeah. he lives See out Dunny in Salt time. Lake, yeah. but, like, he still thinks of himself very much as a part of this family. Yeah. Why do guys love whatever this this group is that, that you all are kind of a part of?
4: Yeah.
3: Um, I think there's something to Columbus in the sense where... It's a small town feel, right? It, it, there is a small town feel to it, but I feel like we've always managed to outlive that feeling in some way, right? Like people look at us one way, but we don't look at us ourselves that way. Like we look at ourselves bigger than what everyone views us as. And to me, there's like a common ground with that. And especially if you win, if you were able to lift a trophy while everyone is just kind of like shitting on you a little bit, and you're able to like reach the pinnacle. Like, that forever, like, I get chills thinking about that. Like, that bonds you in a way that you're able to, when things are going south and people from the outside are, like, looking at you negatively, and you are, you are able to, like, overcome that and, like, reach a pinnacle, like, to me, that you always want to kind of gravitate back to that feel. So that's why I feel like so many people, especially, you know, you mentioned Duncet, but to me, a lot of the foreign guys, like, that I know, mm-hmm. Pipa, Higuain, yeah, all of these guys, like, skeleton, like, all of these guys Gino Padula they love Columbus and they yeah. feel at home here so to me there's a reason for that you know like there's something in Columbus to where that makes them feel at home and they want to bring their family back here they want to settle here because not only is it probably better I shouldn't say better it's a better environment for their family than a lot of where these guys come from but not only that it's like There is a sense of family and a sense of, like, welcome in Columbus. And on top of that, they've reached the pinnacle of a lot of their careers here. So it's an easy fit, you know?
1: I imagine you have a word for the supporters and what they've meant to you as well. Yeah. You've mentioned that you heard your name being chanted. Um, You have to feel very fortunate that you've sort of been here during a period where supporter culture was was good but it's turned into this thing that no one could even imagine right just how do you how do you view that entire supportive culture having just retired
3: um yeah when you think about that it's like what is selflessly what is the ultimate goal of coming into a team 14 years ago and now it's like is is the team in a better place than where it was when I entered, you know? And, like, absolutely it is. Like, you look up and you celebrate with that trophy in front of all these people, and it's like there's never been as many people that are as passionate about this club as there are now, you know? And it's like that is the ultimate. Like, that's, like, check, right? Like, I look back on my career, and there's, like, few things that I check off. And, like, one of them is is the club in the better place than when I started. Mm-hmm. it couldn 't be in a better place mm-hmm. fans organiz- like leadership players everything is like top and to me it's uh they accepted me when I was like the thirtieth man on the roster, and you know i 've fought my way up, and now it 's like I, I they have given me so much joy and pleasure that i can 't possibly describe so to me uh it's I would say thank you, but that's now that 's nowhere enough to
2: possibly tell them what I, what, you know, what well, I you'd feel for Well, you never
1: have to buy a beer in the stadium <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> up here in Northampton. Yeah, never have I appreciate that. Beer, I'll tell you that much.
2: Or here at Saucy Brewers. <laughs>
1: so you didn't have to buy a beer tonight. That's did you right. Know? That's oh, right. Good.
2: Thank you for that. All I appreciate
1: right. it. Josh Williams, everyone. Yes, the man. Josh, Josh Williams, retirement. Josh, rate. Josh. Your 1997 That's right. <laughs> Uh, participation possession.
5: trophy one More. of your ch- one of your children is going to be very disappointed when they come <laughs> yeah, home and that they, like, add- they, they all left the house left their trophies trophy. behind I'm trying
1: to offload these things we're trying to clean house here <laughs> Uh, you enjoy that, or you know, dump it in the trash anyway. I don't <laughs> well, you
0: want me to take this. Is what you're saying? I want so to right. you are right. Required to take. It. Got you.
1: It's this bizarre artifact that you're going to have to explain or not explain. That's up to you. you put I love it.
4: Trophy case.
1: Put it there, right? Yeah. Oh,
3: I absolutely. got you. I will send you guys a picture of where I'm gonna put this. So, uh,
4: <laughs> <Yeah>. Well. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Maybe not. Maybe not. It'll be in the DMs. It'll I, be in the DMs. I've <laughs> heard your
1: I've heard your road stories, man know what happens
3: to that trophy Yeah, it won't be public, DMs but right. well, you know it. what, it
1: goes without saying, come back anytime you I appreciate, appreciate very much your insight you're a great storyteller a great human too uh, it's been such a pleasure mm-hmm. to talk to you tonight, thank you so much for everything you've done for the club and we've just only met and you're everything I thought you we were going to be wow. so you have a very high standard to live up to now, I appreciate that, if yeah. I pass you in the street I hope that we'll have a pleasant exchange.
0: Appreciate that.
4: Yeah.
2: <laughs>
1: I won't ask you for an autograph. Well, maybe I will.
0: <laughs> you, yeah. you, have to, you have to send us out the way you would uh, end all of your press conferences. Oh, what's that? Go, go Browns. Go Tribe. Go
3: Cavs. All set.
1: Fair enough. That's Ohio through and through. Josh Williams, thank you. And uh, thank you, guys. Thank you to Saucy Brewworks for having us. Like and subscribe, the Mass Support Podcast. Are we doing this next week, or what are we doing? We'll figure it out. Who right. <laughs> we'll figure it out. It's preseason. doesn't seem right. I wouldn't want to pre-season. follow up Man. this episode. It's, a, it's a January, it for crying out loud. <laughs> <laughs> out. I'll tell you what people don't appreciate is these guys in the game of soccer never get any time off. It's ridiculous. We're, the baseball season is six months. Yeah, but they get some time off. You guys get no time
2: off. And they can eat hot dogs in the outfield. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, now you can eat all the hot dogs. That's right. I plan dogs. on it, too. <laughs> uh, Brett. Bart. Sam from Murph, for Josh and Brian. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you soon on the Mass Support
5: Podcast.